0: Guys, good morning. I want to encourage you to open your Bibles to John chapter 17. Uh, John chapter 17. We're going to be in John 17. We'll also be in Ephesians 4. If you're one of those people that likes to plan ahead, and uh, you can mark both of those places. We'll be in both of those places this morning. Um, I want to tell you, if you're just visiting with us, uh, first of all, you know, we say Happy Mother's Day. And uh, one of the reasons um, that I, I'm going to talk about this now is because we don't do what a lot of churches do. Um, we've got 52 Sundays to talk about Jesus. Uh, because He is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except by Him. And so I just want you to know, we appreciate moms. We also realize Mother's Day is a, a tough time for some people. And, uh, and so we don't have a Mother's Day sermon um, prepared. We're not going to talk about Mary. Um, we're going to talk about Jesus, and we're going to talk about uh, His kingdom. We're going to talk about His church and uh, we're going to do that because, again, we've got 52 gatherings uh, a year that we can show up and we can learn who he is, that he might um, be all that we need. And so uh, just thank you for being here, guys. Uh, we're in John 17. Uh, is where we're going to start. we we'll are continue our series um, called I Will Be a Church Member as we learn what this body of Christ, the church, is all about. Now, that that, that title is on purpose. I will be, not, not I am, because uh, the church isn't a place, it's not a country club, but rather the church is a gathering of people that have been purchased by the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And because we are a group of people that have been purchased by the life, death, and resurrection of Christ, and because we're a living organism, we realize that we can't talk about church membership merely as as, as who we are, but instead it's got to be what we're doing, right? Because it's a living organism. And so our focus over the next, uh, I guess we've got five weeks left in this, is to talk about what we are all called to do because of what Christ has done for us because Christ has built this body. What do we do? And so last week we got into the very beginning and and we learned that God uh, has not only saved us to do good works, but God has also empowered us to do good works and he's equipped us to do good works. And we said God has given us each a unique gift, uh, some of us more than one, and we have these unique giftings and those gifts are not meant to be um, used on an island. They're not meant for us, but they're actually meant for the glory of God to be used in this body that he's created called the church. And so we're, we're called to do do that together. And so last week, um, we encourage you to go out and to figure out what your gifts were. If you go onto our website uh, there under kind of the banner, um, you, you, you see the title, uh, I Will Be a Church Member. And then under that, there's a description, and there's two little links you can click. One teaches you about what all the spiritual gifts are, the other one is a spiritual gift test. And we said, listen, it's not just about a test. Okay, because you can take that test and that's about what you think, but ultimately at some point you're gonna have to jump in and try it. And you just gotta try to live those things out and God's gonna reveal those things. And so it's where our spiritual gifts, um, where our talents, um, where our passions line up, hopefully that's a place we figure out, that's my role in the body of Christ. That's where I'm supposed to serve. And so we started last week um, saying, listen, here's my first commitment because we're making six commitments. Commitment one was I'm gonna figure out my place and I'm gonna commit to being a functioning church member because the body of Christ is meant to function, right? And so that was commitment one. This week, we're going to enter into commitment two. Before we do, I'm going to ask that you would join me in a word of prayer. Okay, Father, thank you for loving us. Um, Lord, we're thankful for your word. Uh, God, we recognize this morning that your word is living and that it's active. We recognize that it's sharper than a double-edged sword, that it can penetrate um, to the deepest, darkest parts of our heart, and, uh, and that it can, it can bring light there. And so, God, that's what we're asking this morning is by the power of your Spirit that you would shine light on the darkest places, the darkest recesses of our heart, and that you would bring them to life. We pray that you would take our hearts of stone and that you would make them hearts of flesh, that they would beat for you again and they would long to, to do and to, to live out your commands. God, we can't do this on our own or by ourselves. Holy Spirit, we pause as we do uh, every Sunday and recognize that you are the teacher of this church. And we ask that you'd come and take your place now in our pulpit, that you would um, teach our people uh, the ways of Jesus. Jesus, we pray that you'd be lifted up on high. We know that when you're lifted up, you draw all men to yourself. And that is what we need. We need to be closer to you than anything else in the world. And so, Jesus, let us see you clearly this morning. In your name we pray, amen, amen. All right, all right, all right. So, guys, I'm in John chapter 17. And uh, I don't know if if, if you've ever wondered this, but uh, have you ever wondered... Have you ever wondered what God wants for you? Anybody ever wondered what God wants for you? Right? Anybody ever, ever, ever thought, God, what is your plan for me? What, what do you want for me? This morning, we're gonna answer that question. We're gonna see what God wants for us as we, we get into John chapter 17. I, I've got three things I wanna share with you this morning. Here's the first one, kind of like last week, we're gonna start <clears throat> kind of on the macro level and work our way down. Here's the first thing I want you to understand this morning is that Jesus died for us because he desired for us to be reconciled to God and to one another. Okay, Jesus died for us because he desired for us to be reconciled to God and to one another. And so I just asked a question, quick show of hands, uh, how many of you would say, yeah, that's me, I have wondered what God wants for me? Right? I've been there. Okay. That's a lot of hands. I've wondered what God wants for me. Okay. Awesome. Well, listen, if that's you, I want to, I want to fill you in on that actually this morning. I kind of want to tell you what God wants for you, at least in part. In John chapter 17, Jesus is praying and he starts out praying for himself and then he starts praying for his disciples and then eventually he's going to pray for, well, you and me. And that's what he does. And so in John chapter 17, starting in verse 20, uh, we have Jesus's prayer to his Father about us. And, and, and this is what he prays. Uh, starting in verse 20 of John chapter 17, Jesus says, I pray not only for these, uh, these would be the disciples. He just finished praying for them. He says, I, I pray not only for these, but I also pray for those who will believe in me through their word. Okay, that means that if you're here today and you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you have believed in Jesus because the of the word that the disciples went and shared. Okay, so that means that this text has a lot to do with you because you are the people that Jesus is praying for right here. So Jesus is praying for all people that would believe in His name through the word of the disciples that would go out. Acts one eight, the Holy Spirit comes upon you, they would go out and be His witnesses. And so, if you're here today and you're a believer in Christ, then this is for you. This is what God wants for you. Okay, it's kind of a big deal. And so it says, may uh, okay. So I'm praying for them. Uh, they ever through their word, verse 21, may they all be one. Here, here's, here's my prayer for them, God. I'm, I'm going to pray for those people that will believe in me through the word of the disciples, and here is what I want for their lives. May they all be one. as As you, Father, are in me, and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. Okay. He says, I have given them the glory that you've given me so that they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me so they may be made completely one that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved me uh, or have loved them as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am so that they will see my glory, which you have given me because you loved me before the world's foundation. Righteous Father, the world has not known you. However, I have known you, and they have known that you sent me. I made your name known to them, and will continue to make it known, so that the love you have loved me with may be in them, and I may be in them. So Jesus prays for us. It's kind of unfathomable, right? There's a time that Jesus Christ, okay, the Son of God, our Lord and Savior, actually prayed and he prayed for us, okay? And, and his prayer for us is this. God, I pray that they would be one. I pray that they would be one with you. I pray that they would be one with me. And I pray that they would be one with one another. And friends, this is a big ask if, if you didn't know. Uh, it 's a big ass because the Bible says that the people that Jesus is praying for, that's you and that's me, um, the, the, the people that he 's praying for, currently, their current status, uh, relationship status with God, is enemy. Right? That's the current relationship status. Ephesians chapter 2, For right? As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins and what you used to live when you followed the ways of the world, the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit that's now at work, and those who are disobedient, all of us also uh, follow those ways, you know, gratifying natures and paths, because we were all objects of wrath, Ephesians 2 says. And so, so we were enemies of God. And so Jesus is praying for enemies of God, and it's kind of a big deal. And so as he prays, John 17, what's coming is the cross. And and, and what's waiting for Jesus is is the cross. That's what's coming. He is about to die on the cross. He's about to take the sin of humanity upon himself, paying its payment, which is death. And he's going to willfully do this so that we, you and I, can be made right with God. Can be made right with God, okay? To bring us into right relationship with God again. And when, when he does this, it's going to bring us into right relationship with one another again. The, the word for this in the Bible is reconciliation. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, verse 17 through 19, uh, Paul says it this way. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is, is passed away, and see, the new has come. Everything is from God, get this, who has reconciled us to himself through Christ. And has given us the ministry of reconciliation that is in Christ. God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And this is what Jesus desires for your life. Did you hear that this morning? If you're here, Jesus' desire for your life is that you would be reconciled to God, that you'd be made right with God. And if you're here today and you're not in a right standing with God, you know it. You know it when you walk through the door. But the answer to your lack of right standing has nothing to do with your behavior. It's not about what you can do. It's not about, hey, if I, if I tidy up a few things, if I start doing this, if I start doing that, then God will accept me because that's not how it works. See, what God wants to do is he wants to make you right with him through the perfect life of his son because you can't live that perfect life, okay? But Jesus already has. And so that's the good news. And so at God's goal for your life, if you ever wonder, what is God's goal for my life? God's goal for your life is that you'd be reconciled to him and thus you'd be reconciled to your fellow brothers and sisters that you would be one. Okay? So let's look at the second step here. You ready? Christ's work of reconciliation has resulted in a strong bond between all believers. Okay? Christ's work of reconciliation has resulted in a strong bond between all believers. This is what has happened because of his, his life, his death, his resurrection, because of what Jesus accomplished. There is now a strong bond between all believers. Reconciliation, by definition, is a unifying work what it is. It it's a unifying work. It's bringing together two parties that were at once at odds with each other. That's what it means to reconcile, right? And, and so this act of reconciliation that Jesus has provided for us by, uh, through his life, his death, and resurrection, it has created a, a great togetherness uh, for all that have experienced it, right? Another way to say that is, is that it has created a great unity amongst all believers. Jesus' work on the cross his work in resurrection, his ascension, right? What Jesus has done for us has created a great unity amongst all believers. And that unity, it's given to us by him. It's not something that we have to earn or something that we have to create. Sometimes in churches, we, we kind of get mixed up by this. We think that unity is something that we have to make Right, unity. So uh, I've got to create unity, man. I've got to create programs that bring people together. I've got to I've got to find people and see what their interests are and what their hobbies are, and I've got to unite those kind of people together. We think it's our job to create unity, but the Bible never says that it's my job to create unity as a member of the church, but rather that it is my job to defend unity. We'll get to that in a second. And so, uh, listen. This is I, I just want you to see. The unity that Christ has created. Okay, we're going to start here. So uh, now I'm in Ephesians 4. I told you to, to, to maybe hang out there and, and uh, put a little tab there. So I'm in Ephesians chapter 4. I'm going to read verse 1 through 6. And again, the Word of God um, says this. Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 1, it says, Therefore, I, uh, the prisoner of the Lord, urge you to live worthy of the calling that you've received with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope at your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. All right? Now, uh... Ephesians, the book of Ephesians, uh, chapter 1 through 3 is all doctrine. It's it's, it's all learning about who God is and what God has done. That's the first three chapters of the book of Ephesians, other than you've got Paul's introduction, which you that's not doctrine, right? That's, hey, how are you? Now let me tell you about God. So Ephesians chapter two especially is all about doctrine. It's about who we were, uh, we were dead, we were separated, we were aliens and foreigners, right? But, but now in Christ, we've been made alive, we've been brought near, we've been raised up, we've been seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. And so we, we kind of walk through, that's what we call the gospel. And, and, and so uh, we've got this great doctrine in Ephesians one through three. When you get to Ephesians chapter four though, there's a switch of gears. Now Paul is gonna talk about practice, right? What do I do because of what I've learned, right? What I do, because, and we know that that's what Paul is doing, because if you look at verse one, look at how he begins it. Verse one, therefore, he said, therefore, okay? Because all of this, because all this stuff is true, because God has done all this for you in Christ, it's been done for you, because of that, you now must do something. What is the something that we have to do? Well, let's read on verse two and three again. Uh, With all humility, with gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit. So there's something I have to do because of what God has done for me. And the something that I have to do because of what God has done for me is make every effort to live a worthy life. And what is a worthy life? According to Paul, Ready? A worthy life is making every effort to keep the unity that Christ has given us. That's the worthy life. That's crazy, right? I haven't heard this before, right? But but it is. This is this is what we're supposed to do. This is this is the, ver- the therefore, right? And so so Ephesians 4 1 through 6, look at all these points of connectivity. Jesus has done this for us. We are one body, right? We're one body. Uh, we, 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 we all have a role to play. We talked about this last week, that God's given us uh, different gifts. We all, many members, many parts, but, but one body, same purpose. He says one spirit, that we, we have the same Holy Spirit in each of us, living in each of us. We have one hope that Jesus is returning. We have one Lord who is Jesus Christ. We have one faith, that's settled truth. That talks about core doctrines and core beliefs that are unchanging, right? We, we have one baptism, one God and Father who is above all and through all and in all and every believer in Jesus has all of these things in common, which brings me to the last point. I've kind of given some of this away, right? It's this, as a church member, right? It's my job to fight to protect and maintain the unity Christ has provided the church, right? That's my job. We wonder, like, what do I have to do? What's the goal? What, what, what's supposed to happen? And the answer with what's supposed to happen is that, well, what's supposed to happen now? Because the first three chapters of Ephesians are doctrine, and then chapter 4 switches into practice, and when it switches into practice, Paul says, therefore, because of all of what Christ has done, because of who Christ is, now you have something to do. What do you have to do? You, you have to live a life worthy of the calling that you've received. Well, what does that look like? Well, that looks like somebody that fights to maintain the unity that Christ has provided. You fight for it, right? You, you give all that you have to the cause of Christ to make sure that what Christ has provided for us, this oneness, right? And one hope and one body and one Lord and one faith and one baptism. We fight for those things. And Jesus says, that's worthy of your time. That's worthy of your life to fight for the church. Now, That sounds crazy to some people. They're like, wait a second. I thought this was an individualized sermon. I wanted to know what God wanted for me. And the answer is God wants you in his body so that his body can be the light of the world. And you're needed in that, right? And one of the best things you can do as far as your life in church, right, in community is concerned. One of the best things you can do is give your life away to being a unifying church member. That's what you can do. Okay, so how do we do that? Because let's just be honest, there's a lot of things that divide us. So that kind of gets us into our application. So I want to talk to you about some some ways that we can fight uh, to maintain. Again, we're not creating unity. Guys, we're maintaining the unity that Christ has already provided for us. And so here's some things that we can do uh, in our application. Number one, we can emphasize the essential doctrines of our faith instead of the non-essential, right? We, we emphasize the essential doctrines of our faith instead of the non-essential, right? And so we have a, a tendency in, in this life to focus on non-essential stuff. I mean, guys, come on. Let's see, we focus on the order of worship. And uh, I, I have people ask me, well, why, do, why, why is the offering at the end and not at the, the middle? Or or why do we stand up and greet here? Or what do we do? We focus on those things. We, we focus on the, 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 the types of songs that we sing. We, we focus on the decorations. We focus on the different ministries that we offer. We focus on the food that we serve. We sir, focus on the... The age of, of children's church, these are all emails I get. Uh, we, we, we focus on uh, on political views. God help us, right? What, what, is, what is that? What's the right thing? I, I, and you'd be shocked to hear how many people um, think that you have to vote for uh, one particular party in the United States of America or you're not a Christian., gosh, you have lost all sight of reality. You're bowing down to an idol we've created for ourselves, right? The list goes on and on and on and on. And guess what? All of those things, man, when we we focus on the stuff that that we disagree with, when we focus on the non-essential, all of that stuff creates disunity, right? It divides us. And so the answer is to stop talking about all our, our opinions, right? Because our opinions don't matter. What we have to talk about is the truth of God's word. And the truth of God's word is unfailing, and the truth of God's word is unchanging. And the truth of God's word is that we have a God that is good and a God that loves us and a God that loves us so much that he has pursued us in the midst of our sin and that he's become the solution for us. He sent his son who who, who listened, reigned in eternity and, and had no need to step out of heaven and into humanity, but chose to do so because he loves us, right? And so Jesus came and he lived the perfect life that we could not. And he died on the cross in our place and God accepted his death as an atoning sacrifice, a sin payment because the, the wages of sin is death and so Jesus died for me and he died for you and this is what matters and they put his dead body in a grave and and Satan thought that he had won but on the third day, the stone was rolled away and Jesus was alive and then he hung out for 40 days, he proved to, to, to the masses that he was alive so much so that when Paul writes, he's like, listen, I, and Jesus appeared to over 500 people at one time, if you don't uh, believe me, just ask anybody Because everybody knows that Jesus is alive, right? And then he ascended into heaven where he now sits at the right hand of the Father preparing a place for us. And if he's gone to prepare a place for us, he will surely come back and take us to be with him where he is, right? And that's the core essentials of the gospel. And I'm here to tell you that is what matters. That is what matters. What what matters is not who we voted for. What matters is not the color of our carpet. What matters is not the style of the songs that we sing. What matters is the fact that there is only one hope for the world, and His name is Jesus. That is what matters. And if we don't get back to what matters, we cannot be the force that God intends us to be. God intended for the church to change the world. And the church will only be that force if she returns back to the main things. Okay? And so we start there. We start there. We're going to emphasize the essential doctrines. We're going to stop all the other junk. Okay? We have to. Now listen, you need to be writing down right here all the junk that you participate in. I'm just like, if you're standing before the Lord, you're going, Lord, okay, so this is your will for my life to be a unifying force in, the, in, in your body called the church. What am I doing that's disunifying? What, what am I doing in, in, in the world, on Facebook, in, in the pews? Like, what am I doing that's causing conflict, that's causing strife? I don't want to be that person in your body. So, this is your personal homework. Now, what am I doing? What, 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 what non-essential things have I focused on and tried to make them gospel when they're not? Okay. So that's your homework, all right? That's your homework. Number two, second thing we need to do, right? We have to stop elevating people over the truth of God's word over the text. We've got to stop elevating people over the text. Paul had this problem. As he wrote, he was writing people, and they're like, well, we like Paul, and other people are like, we like Apollos, and they had their favorites. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Right to to say, well, I, I have favorites. Well, I like this preacher. I like this person. This this is my favorite person on staff. This is, but like that's ridiculous. Like that's not that's not what it's about. It's not about any of those things. It's not about any of those things. It's about it's about Jesus. It's about the Word of God. It's about the Word of God that's unchanging. And so we we can't we can't play uh, favorites around here. There's no favoritism. By the way, that includes self. Right? You can't be your own favorite either. That creates disunity. It does. I'm serious, and you, you think I'm joking? You know how many people walk through the doors of the church, and they are their own favorite person. I mean, they, they walk through the doors of the church, and they think that everything should circulate and be about what they need. Well, I I I like this kind of him. That's what I like. I I I don't like this, or I don't like that. I like I I I I I I. I. There's a big I in the middle of a, of a little word. S I N. Right, and so we got to get the I out of the conversation. This just It's not even a word. It's like a sneeze. Be great. Just remove the eye. Just say, God bless you to everybody. (laughs) God bless you. I don't know what to do. I I lost the eye. It's not about me. Listen, uh, Philippians 2, 3. We're going to get into more of this next week. But it says, "This is Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others more important than yourself. So we talk about not elevating people over the text. Uh, one of those people that you're not supposed to elevate over the text is yourself, my friend. I love you. Can't elevate myself over the text. It's not how it works. It's not how it works. Okay. Speaking of elevating people over the text, one of the things we have a tendency to do, and we say we do it out of love, is we elevate sin over the text. We decide we love people so much that that we need to change what the Word of God says. And so we stop calling sin, sin, because we say we're loving people. It's not loving to to not address issues, right? It's just not. So we got to stop doing that. We we, got to instead, ready, the Bible says, speak the truth in love. Uh, That's a hard balance for many Christians. They're good at speaking the truth or they're good at loving. Not many are good at doing both. And you have to do both simultaneously. That's the way it works. Can't, can't be like, well, I'm loving them, and I'll, I'll speak the truth later. Like, like we, we, have to, we have to walk this tension in our lives where we do both of these things. And so that's important. And so, guys, I, I, just, I just say, like, we, we have to do better at this. We make a grave error when we don't. All right. Uh, last thing, I want to encourage you. Again, we're fighting for unity. How do we, how do we fight for this unity uh, that Christ has provided? Here's the third thing I think is helpful, is we use our mouths to build up, not to tear down or to gossip. One of the ways we fight for unity is by guarding the thing that James said is dang near unguardable. That's your tongue, right? I don't know if you realize this, friends, but the Bible says that with our mouths, we praise our heavenly father and we curse the people that he has made. And it goes on, it says, it should not be so. It should not be so. You were created to praise God. You weren't created to curse your fellow man, all right? And so we have to use our mouths to build up, not to tear down. Uh, Ephesians 4, 29 says this. It says, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for what? For building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. I want you to take that this week and try to apply that to every conversation you have. Think about that. Let no unwholesome talk come out of my mouth, but everything I say, let it be used for building someone else up, not tearing someone else down. It's a radical thought, isn't it? This is the fight. This is my fight. Christ has made this unity. He has reconciled me to God. When he reconciled me to God, he reconciled me with my fellow brothers and sisters. And so now this is my fight to maintain this unity. i got to guard my mouth i got a guard in my mouth, right? Romans 1.29 uh, says these things. It says, uh, this is speaking of, of people of the world, right? It says, uh, they are filled with all unrighteousness, evil, greed, wickedness. They are full of envy, murder, quarrels, deceit, and malice. They are gossip, slanders, God-haters, arrogant, proud, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, senseless, untrustworthy, unloving, and unmerciful. It goes on longer than that. It, this is one of Paul's famous sin lists, right? In the middle of it is gossip gossip. And by the way, I highlighted all those words. I think all those words come out of our mouths last I checked, right? We fight with people with our mouth. We lie with our mouth. We gossip with our mouth. We slander with our mouth. We are boastful with our mouth, right? And and, and so the point is, like, we have to start using our mouths for the right things, not the wrong things, not the wrong things. And, and, And listen, the Bible says this is how we maintain this thing that christ has provided for us this unity that he's provided for us and so um, what we're going to do this morning same thing we're going to do every morning over the next like this is this is week two of commitment so we get four more weeks after this um we're, we're going to ask you to make a commitment about this truth about this thing that god wants for your life right you came in earlier you're like yep yep that's me i've wondered what god wants for my life well here's what god wants for your life he wants you to be a unifying member of his body that's what he wants that's what he wants. He wants for you to fight for the unity that he's provided for his church because he intends for his church to be a mighty force in the world for good. All right? And so to do that, we, we have to get serious about this fight for unity. And so uh, I've got a little yellow piece of paper there in your sermon notes, and on the back side of it, it has a commitment. And here is our second commitment, uh, our first commitment we made last week when we said we were going to be uh, functioning church members. Remember, there's no pressure. Uh, we're not turning these in. I don't want your name on it and in the offering plate. I did it, Pastor. High five. You're awesome. Um, this is it's between you and Jesus. Like, this is Ultimately, I, I want to be honest, we're going to know around here whether or not you've made this commitment based on how you behave. Like, we'll just, we'll just know, be like, oh, those people didn't sign. They, they're not on board. Um, like, we're, we it, it, it'll be self-evident. It really will. So we're gonna know that. We don't, you don't have to turn in the piece of paper. We'll just know, um, by your love, by your love, the world will know. Um, and so, uh, so here, here's commitment number two. I wanna read it through with you, and then i we're gonna have a moment where we just allow you to kinda pray over it here for a second this morning. Uh, commitment number two, I, I will be a unifying church member. Ready? It says, I will seek to be a source of unity in my church. I know there are no perfect pastors, especially in this case, uh, staff, or other church members. Ready? But neither am I. I will not be a source of gossip or dissension. I will not, okay? One of the greatest contributions I can make to the body is to do all I can in God's power to help keep the church in unity for the sake of the gospel, all right? That's our commitment. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray for us this morning and then I'm just going to give you a few minutes to read over that over and over, over and over. Now listen, maybe you're here and you're like, I am visiting, I don't belong to this church. Totally fine. Like you, can, you can sign, say, hey, I'm going to be this wherever I end up. Right? I'm going to be this back when I go home to where I live. Like it just, I'm going to be this kind of person because of what Christ has done for me. That is the heart of what we're doing here. We're talking about who we should be because of who Christ is. All right, so let me pray for us this morning, Father. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your word. Thank you for kind encouragement when we come to tough places where our sin is so easily laid out before us. God, I pray this morning that you would forgive us. I pray that you would forgive us for every word that we have spoken. Um, in your body that has created disunity instead of unity. I pray that you would forgive us for every, um, everything that we have taken up that's not your cross and your gospel, for everything that we have made essential and, and preached instead of your love, right? Instead of your righteousness. God, I pray that you would forgive us for those things. Lord, I pray that you would um, forgive us for um, the times that we have grown cold, to this thing called church, right? And, and Lord, I pray that you'd bring us back to life, um, that our hearts would beat for your bride, Jesus, and that we would serve you with everything that we have diligently. And Lord, I pray that we would be a force of good in the community and in the world. Jesus, would you do that in our midst? We know that you can. In your name we pray, amen. And so-